Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Rohn, it's the NCAA tournament, man. Watching some of these games, and Murray State looked good, dude. John Morant could be uh, playing in the NBA any day now. Well, yeah, of course. And the thing with Morant, too, as I see people talking today, oh, he's, a, he's moved his way up. He was going to be a top three pick regardless. Mm-hmm. I think the thing you like to see from a player like that is now, okay, here's the spotlight. Everyone is watching. How does he respond? And he dominated. I mean, the passes that he had, and he made it look easy. It's funny because my girlfriend does not watch basketball, and she happened to be there when the game was on. I told her, look, I'm watching the tournament all day the next few days. She's <laughs> like, all right, I don't mind. Uh, I'll chill with you. And she's like, wow, he looks really smooth. Is he from New York or the East Coast? Because, you know, he has that type of flair. And, you know, point guards in New York are a big thing. So I think anyone who didn't see him this year probably said, oh, wow, this guy's good. But I thought Murray State was a pretty easy pick. I don't consider it upset. I know it was I know a I picked, I picked them, yeah. but, yeah, they were, they were a lock to me to win that game. Yeah, I put money on I think they were getting four and a half on the DraftKings Sportsbook, so I put some money on that. So I thought that was – I mean, nothing's ever easy, but for a 12, you know, they're not a typical 12 because of him. He's one of the best players in the tournament. But I thought outside of that – I mean, I just thought there weren't a lot of great games yesterday. There were a lot of blowouts. You know, we had a couple good ones at least. But I think so far it's been kind of underwhelming, which leads you to believe that today should be a day where maybe we get upsets. Although – this I might be. I, this, I yeah, think. I, I think, think we discussed so. this, right? That yeah. we, we there was not really a lot of. I think there's ten good teams. Ten. Right. And then after that, they're all not that good. I mean, I think there's some good players. You know, a good team here and there. Nevada. Nevada can't shoot. Well, they had a terrible year. They were disappointing. They were supposed to be better. I know, but they can't shoot. And I think, you know, things in the tournament get exposed. Seton Hall, dude, how do you miss all those free throws in the second half? I mean, they must have missed 10 free throws at critical points where they could have been ahead by five points. I mean, Wofford just started raining threes, but... That was that was a sick game because Wofford was up most of the way. Seton Hall came back, and then all of a sudden, Wofford just couldn't miss. Couldn't miss. And right? they were shooting three-pointers from, like... Uh, who knows, from like half court. I mean, they were going in. But Wofford's going to get killed by Kentucky, my opinion. Uh, probably, I would think so. I mean, Kentucky, again, they are a team that gets better as the season goes along. They always have a lot of talent, and Calipari you know, has that team going tournament time. So, uh, again, they're going to need a, a, sh- a lights-out shooting performance. Right. They're going to need to do what they did yesterday, but but better. To beat Kentucky. I don't know. I just think like Cincinnati, Iowa, neither of these teams can win. Maybe they win a game. These teams can't make a deep run. Because I think that most, you know, in years past, there was more parity. I think this year there's like, like I said, a dozen teams that are really good. And then the rest are all blah to me. 
Yeah, it feels that way. I, I want to get your opinion on something because we always talk about game theory, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm in – I did a couple of brackets. One where it showed you how many people took the percentage champion that you put on your bracket. And oh, okay. I was stunned, okay? So I think the prevailing thought was Duke was a favorite. But right. a lot of people probably used the game theory and said, you know what? A lot of people are going to pick Duke, so I'm going to go in the opposite direction because I don't want to be with the field. So in this one bracket, how many people do you think took Duke to win it all? What the percentage? 21. 9.9. .9. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's, I took Duke yeah, because I said, yeah. <laughs> right? I was like, yeah. you know what? Maybe over people, people, and I didn't take Duke in every bracket. I think I did three. I think I did Duke, North Carolina, Gonzaga. But that goes to show you that a lot of people probably had the same thought and if Duke wins, I got a good shot to take this down. Well, it's the same. It's, it's, it's a, a theory I use in golf a lot. You either go with Dustin Johnson or you go away from Dustin Johnson, right? Some people will go with him and if he wins, you're in the top 15%, you're going to win money. And if you don't, you just have to, but you can't play it in the middle. You have to roll with Duke or roll against Duke. I, don't, I think going in the midway, like I bet you that North Carolina and Gonzaga were over-owned. Probably. You're probably right. I didn't obviously see the percentage. I was just looking at mine, but I was thought I was like under 10%. Are you kidding me? This is just probably, and I understand why people would do it, but I, I still think, you know, Duke has a really good shot. My biggest concern for them is something that we discussed is that Can't they shoot. just don't shoot from the outside. The right. three point shooting is terrible for them. They're one of the worst in the country. No, I went contrarian. And, and when I had the second pick, I took Tennessee. Okay, I think I had Tennessee in one of my brackets to go to the Final Four. Right. I just figured, let me just go outside. the. If I can't take a number one seed, if I can't take Duke, let me just assume all number one seeds stink. And I went with Tennessee, who I thought had the easiest you know, path uh, to get there. But, you know, D D look, Duke is a great team. I don't think North Carolina can beat Duke again. No? I don't think so. Okay, they played him. They played him close that last. Yeah, time, but remember so the first time Zion was there. I know there. he didn't. He yeah. Well, two games he didn't play. Right. The didn't one play. he got hurt early in that game. Right. So I mean Z Zion there, I think it changes a lot. I, and North Carolina, Luke May is not going to get every rebound like he does all those times. Yeah, I think the advantage, one of the advantages, North Carolina knows Duke and has played him a couple times. So I think that helps. I think the intimidation factor goes a little bit out the window for them. There is a big intimidation factor. Could you imagine be, being, you know, like a Colgate and you're playing Duke? You're like, oh, my God, I'm playing Zion Williamson. Right. I'd be starstruck. It's hard not to, right? You're like, you hear everything about this kid, and he's going to be the number one pick, and he comes back, and he dominates. So, right. yeah, it's hard not to. I mean, it's human nature. I don't care who you are. Could you imagine being like, I, you covered high school ball on this. Who was the best like player that you saw? Was it Seabass or did you see Marbury? Like, could you imagine I, being one of those kids playing against one of those guys? Yeah, I did not see Marbury. I mean, Telfair was one of the best I saw. I also saw a little bit of Kemba Walker. He was at Rice High School. Okay. Uh, but I, I probably, I think I'd have to go Telfair. Were, were, ki were kids intimidated when they played Telfair? Like when they walked into the gym? I would think some were. Even though he's small and he's not someone that intimidates you, he just got so much media coverage here. Right, right. I mean, could you imagine playing LeBron when you were in high school? That trust me, I I probably told you this story, but he they had this. I don't know if they still have it, but they had this primetime shootout in Trenton every year, and the top players from the country would go there. And I happened to be there to cover Telfair when LeBron James was there and it was his first game back from remember that where he got suspended for accepting that throwback jersey yeah 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 
So it was his first game back, and I couldn't even get the media seat because all the national columnists were coming there. So I had to actually find a seat in the stands because I wasn't covering that game, but I wanted to see LeBron. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, all this hype. And, you know, your national inclination is like, oh, okay, this guy's not as good as people say. So I want to sit there and see it. And I think he went against Trevor Ariza's high school team. Oh, wow. And LeBron was a man among boys. He dropped 50. I'm like, holy crap, this guy is for real. And you right. just see his body, even at that age, he was just a man among boys. And I think the year before, I think his team faced, and I wasn't there for it, he faced Carmelo Anthony's team. So a lot of stud players come out there. But seeing LeBron in person in high school, I was like, uh, okay, yeah, this guy is for real. You know, years ago, we lived in Texas. I mean, right by Texas A&M. And we used to get tech tickets for the Aggie games. And I take my wife to see Oklahoma play A&M. And that was when Blake Griffin was on Oklahoma, right? Back okay. in the day. Mm -hmm. Literally the second play of the game, Blake Griffin dunks a ball. I think he breaks the rim. I mean, that's how hard it is. And I looked at my wife. I said, you just looked at the number one pick in the draft. And it was so obvious that how much better this guy was than everybody else on the court. I mean, and I think it was the same thing with LeBron. All these players, the true athletes just shine no matter what level it is. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious, especially on the basketball court, too, where, you know, you can make an impact. Some other sports, you might need some of your teammates to set you up to look good. But in basketball, it's pretty clear to see uh, your individualism. You don't really need anyone else to kind of make you shine. Well, it's amazing. Even with my bad foot, I took my son to this. Uh, it, was, it was a charity exhibition tennis here, and there were the Bryan brothers, you know, the, the tennis players, and the Sam Queries, like top fifteen in the world. When you watch these people play at such a high level, dude, whatever you watch on t in real person in real life, these guys were killing the ball. My son was looking at it like blown away, just how how hard people hit in real life. It's just different sometimes when you see it in person versus watching it on TV. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's definitely eye-opening. And, you know, I did get to finally go to the U.S. Open a couple of years ago for tennis. And I uh, was just pretty impressed watching in person. Right, because on TV, you're like, ah, they're hitting it hard. And then in person, you're like, oh, my God, they're killing it. But I, feel, I felt that way about LeBron when I watched him in high school. I feel that way about Zion Williamson. I know we talked about this the other day with Mike Francesa. I think this guy can play any position. He's just a talent. And, and, and a, I think the NBA will adjust to him. He won't have to adjust to the NBA. Yeah, he'll, he'll figure it out. They'll figure out a way to utilizes talents where whatever position it is and uh, there's plenty of teams that are clamoring to land him on their team and uh, certainly the Knicks are hoping to get him. So Iowa is beating Cincinnati 70 to 64. Oklahoma is killing Mississippi. Did you have Oklahoma or Mississippi? Oklahoma. Yeah, me too. Uh, 71 55. Texas Tech, I like them as a sleeper team. They're winning 25 17. And Kansas they pissed me off, man. I picked them to win their conference tournament, man. Did Put you? Put some money on them, yeah. Yeah. And then I hate those conference tournaments. I, really I know. Do. You know what? You're right. I, got, I, can't not, I can't put money on them next year. Remind me. Because they're so stupid, right? <laughs> they're it's terrible. Like the, the best team doesn't always win. No, you like the best team should win. That's right. Yeah. They should win, but they don't. And then uh, our boys, UC Irvine, they're losing. Yeah, it's early, though. It's like, uh, what, the just right into the game. It's only 13-9. Yeah, Sorry, that, we got, that, they got time. That could be a sucker one, Ronis. Like that Yale game. Well, the Yale, me. the Yale when we talked about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm not taking Yale. I switched my pick because initially I was on Yale, but as we discussed, everyone was talking about Yale. I'm like, nah, this is not going to work. So, but then in the last minute, did they cover? I 
think that yes, they covered the spread because I think Vegas Whispers had Yale getting the points. Right, but they started taken. raining threes the last two minutes of the game. Right, they couldn't hit anything for like the first of you know, thirty-eight minutes of the game. That is the uh, sports betting look. You have to have a really uh, strong mental mind for it because uh, I've been doing a lot of NBA. So the other night. If you remember, the Nets were down 25 in the fourth quarter to the Kings, and I had the Nets getting three and a half, and they came back and won. That is like, so, you know, it's great to be on that side of it, but you know in the next few days I'm going to be on the other side losing. So it's always fun when you have that because I was like, all right, I lost this one, and Nets come back and win, but I've I've been on the other side too. I think the Sixers a couple weeks ago, they were favored by one. They were at the free throw line, and the guy missed the free throw, and then the Pelicans came and missed the three, so the Sixers win by one, and it's a push. I'm like, really? You hit this? You hit one free throw, and I win. Instead, it's a push. I, I told you that story when I was in Vegas, and I played like a six-team NBA parlay, and then I hit five out of the six, and then the last one, my team is winning. I'm like, I'm going to make a lot of money here. And then my team starts losing, and all of a sudden, it was a free throw at the end. I lose by a point. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This team was up by 25 going into the fourth quarter. How is this possible? Uh, Tim Donahue was probably on the court. He probably uh, was too. <laughs> no, I think with parlays, like it's, I, I tend to do three or fourteen parlays. Right. I, I, I look, I know the six. If you hit, is a good payout. Oh yeah, but it's. I was going to make like three, three, three k if I won or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, but that's the thing is they're really difficult as you saw. Like you had five and you you need that six. So I, I tend to do three or fourteen parlays. Do you remember those football sheets? Yes. In New York. Where you yes. Oh, of course, games. bro. Those were the awesome. It was the hardest thing to hit four out of four ever. <laughs> Those were so popular, man, right? Those yeah. little white sheets. Yep. Oh, I used to do that. My, my doorman used so my, much. My doorman used to have one, so he used to give me one every week. And everyone's, I used to put 10 bucks down, and every so often I'd go four for four and win 100. I, like twice a year I'd win, and the rest I'd, I'd lose. They're awesome, man. Mm-hmm. I miss those. But uh, now, obviously, with sports going to become legal in many states and many more to come, it's so simple. Now I could just go on my phone and make bets. It's like... I was like, how do they always know, like, Bill's Jets, Jets plus four? And it'd always be, like, exactly at the, on the spot. It's like they knew. It is amazing how often that happens, too, man. And I've been seeing it a lot, NBA, especially the over-under numbers. They're just so close. It's like one over, one under, and you're sweating it there. Please foul them, get to the free throw line, hit it. It's amazing. I mean, but it makes it fun uh, at the same time. So if you want to win money, and anybody out there listening, I'm going to tell you the way to make money in sports betting. You ready, Ronis? I'm ready. College. Hoops or football? Both. 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 Because I really believe that the NBA and the NFL, there's so many people that it's so refined to this point that you can't win money. Because when they say the Patriots minus six, they figure that out. But I think when Iowa plays Cincinnati, it's not as refined, those lines. Uh, you know, I haven't done enough college basketball betting to really... Even college football. I don't, I don't think it's refined enough. I think the best teams sometimes are significantly better. That is true. And, and if you there's know, an injury, it's over. And as you know, in the NBA, anything could happen on a given night. I mean, we see Milwaukee lose to the Suns twice this year. Right. You know, it's, it's oh, just I'll like, never bet NBA, but NFL. I, I do. Too, the NFL's creepy, though, man, how it's they get it almost on the, on, the, on the nose. I've been doing NBA, and actually, for the last like five weeks or so, I've been tracking my record in uh, 61, 46, and 2. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, so, you know, it's pretty good. It's just kind of measured to see, you know, so I'll pick three to four games a night and uh, just, 
gauge it. You know, I want to see how I do. You know, obviously with this becoming a bigger thing. So I told you one year in the NFL, I was like fifty six percent or something like and that. That's good. That was I know. I was like I should have been in Vegas that year. But I mean, usually I'm like at. 50.1. I mean, that's how, how, how tough it is. And I think I, nobody knows more NFL than I do, dude, but it's, it's rough. It's a rough game. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's more than just knowing the game. It's you know kind of looking at the trends, seeing where the, the money goes. There's a lot of things that go into it. But that's what people have to understand is no matter how good you are, you're going to have ups and downs. Like, you know, last week in the NBA, you know, I told you my record was good, but I was 12 and 14 last week. This week, 11 and 3. So college is interesting, though, because they don't disclose the injuries as well. Yes, that is true. See, that's the one thing about the NFL is we have the injury reports. That's the other thing about the NBA, too. You kind of you either have to go in early on the day and say, all right, I have a feeling this guy's going to sit, especially this late in the year. Now it's very difficult because the line can move so you can wait. And get all the news, or you can hop on early and say, you know, I think Joel Embiid's going to sit tonight. Like the other night, the Sixers were favored by one and a half against the Hornets. And I'm like, my head was like, this is crazy, man. They're begging you to take the Hornets. And I didn't get sucked in. And fortunately, the Sixers covered by four. But there's a lot of lines that I look and I'm like, damn, they are begging you to take this side. But I, I think there's a lot of like, especially in college, if you go onto the college websites, not just the team websites, like the, the teams that follow the, the sites that follow the teams, you know what I'm talking about? Like right. uh, longhorns.com. Right. You can find some sneaky information there. I think if you really put your head to it, you could probably make money on college football next year. Yeah, no, that's the key is kind of you got to do some research. You got to look at trends, uh, a lot of things. And if you can maybe find some information that's not public out there, obviously that is an advantage. It's kind of the same thing in anything you do in life. If you dig deep, find more research, it can help you gain an advantage to make some money. I think I'm going to do what you did. You know how you charted your NBA? I'm going to chart some college football next year. Yeah, just do it. Just like put three, four picks, whatever you do per the day, and just keep track of it. Right, and see, because, I mean, I'd love to do it for the NFL, but I'm saying if I hit 51%, I'll feel happy. Nah, do it for the NFL too, man. I think you could do well. All right, we'll do that next year. All right, we'll we'll take a break. We'll come back. Fantasy baseball right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631. 800-961-3631. 800-961-3631. 800-961-3631. 800-961-3631. 
Rain dance. Make it rain. We both won the same bet, same score, different teams, folks. And the reason you can do that is I won with Purdue because I shopped the number and found it at a place that I was happy with. And Dane jumped all over it at a high end number. He won taking Old Dominion. I win taking the Purdue. And that is why it is so damn important to get the number. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. We're South Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto here along with Adam Ronis. Remember, you want to win this fantasy baseball season both in seasonal and DFS. Ronis, DFS baseball coming up. So ScoutDFS.com, place you want to be. Our optimizer, our articles. Chris Rose was on fire last year, dude. I'm very excited about DFS, Adam. Yeah, me too. I think Rose qualified for, I think it was the FanDuel final last year for baseball. I know he had a lot of good performances, so... Uh, definitely a good place to be, and uh, you know we'll help you get prepared by giving you some picks here during the show. And now that we are in the afternoon, we can uh, preview the night in DFS a little bit better. Oh, absolutely! And you know what? I've been on other sites, and they charge you like for the the information is one price, and an optimizer is another price. I don't get that. Why don't you just put them all together and charge one price like we do? Yeah, it should definitely be one price and that's the one good thing here with us is you get everything included for one price of course slack chat too leading up to lineup block which is always important yeah so please check that out at scoutdfs.com so adam the reds reassigned nick senzel to the minors i think a lot of people especially sean childs was thinking that nick senzel was going to start the year as the starting center fielder well now it looks like scott shebler is going to be in center field yeah, Shebler's had a very good spring. I think there's a couple of combinations here. Number one, Senzel is learning center field for the first time, and he has not been great, according to reports, in the spring. Obviously, it's kind of difficult to learn a new position, uh, and just doing it in the spring is probably not enough time. There's also the service time issue, so they can use that as, you know, obviously that's probably one of the biggest factors, and they could just say, well, we want him to learn center field and – we feel like he needs more time in the minors where they actually might be correct with this one where a lot of teams make excuses with these young players and we all know the reason. So there actually could be some valid uh, points here. Also, they are crowded in the outfield as well, so this buys them some time. And also Senzel in the spring, nine strikeouts, no walk. So it could be a combination of factors here. I still think he'll be up at some point. Maybe you just have to lower the at-bat totals. Maybe he's more 400, 450 at-bat guy. That doesn't mean that he still can't make an impact for your fantasy team. Well, I'm very excited that it looks like John Heyman is reporting that Pete Alonso is going to make the Mets opening day roster. And I couldn't have been, I can't be any more excited, Adam. This guy, I didn't want to say, I know why you'd send him down. Just sign this guy to a contract already. He should be the next, the first baseman for a decade. Yeah, they're, I guess they got fortunate that Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier are not ready to begin the year. Now, they could have still sent them down and started Dominic Smith, who has actually had a very good spring. But Mickey Calloway said that uh, for as long as Lowry is out, Alonso has a good chance to hit second, which is even better for his fantasy oh. value. And this guy has immense power. I just want to see how he is going to adjust to breaking pitches because we know we can hit a fastball. But if you so, bat second, he may not see that many breaking pitches. Which you got to hope. You got to hope. I, I really do. It, you know, as a Mets fan, you 
tend to squash your optimism because you've seen how things go with this team over the years. But it's hard not to feel optimistic about this Mets team right now. With Jeff McNeil, he hit another home run today, hitting leadoff. Michael Conforto's on fire right now. You have Alonso, Robinson Cano, Wilson Ramos, and the pitching staff obviously health permitting with DeGrom. Syndergaard's look great this spring. Steven Matz bounced back after getting hammered by the Nationals, pitched well yesterday. You got Edwin Diaz at the back of the bullpen. Familia, who's had success as a closer. It's, it's kind of difficult right now not to feel a little excitement about the Mets. Again, the division is extremely tough, but I think the Mets are shaping up to be in a good spot heading into the season. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully that uh, optimism lasts for more than a month. Right. No, I, I think what you said was, was totally on point. That you just know what the Mets are like, oh, is you're going to pull it out, the rug out from under me at some point, but you know, it's a tough, tough division, but they certainly have a, have a real shot here. So uh, I want to talk about something else you know, when, when Craig Kimbrell was, was, didn't sign, you're like, what's going on? This makes no sense to me. But as it unfolds, I've got to think the Brewers are going to sign him. Neville looks like he's going to be out for the year. And I think that Kimbrell is in a perfect spot in Milwaukee if he signs. Yeah, I actually liked Corey Knebel coming into there. I hated him last year. I thought he was being overdrafted. But I like what he did in the second half. And I thought he was going to get the majority of the saves. But he's dealing with an elbow issue, and it looks like he might need Tommy John surgery. He's going to get a second opinion, but I don't see how you can draft him if you have a draft this weekend. Now, they said Josh Hader's role is not going to change. If they don't sign Kimbrell Hader, I think it has oh. to be the the closer, and then you would take him as the top closer off the board. I mean, it's hard not oh, to. For, for sure. Knew, He's a star. If you knew we had the job, but it sounds like they don't want to go in that direction, uh, and obviously the talks the last two days with Kimbrell reportedly have been serious, so – that would be obviously a, a good spot. I mean, Kimbrell anywhere was going to go close, but that would be a, a good spot for him. And uh, that's a tough call this weekend in drafts. Uh, you would think that they would be close to signing him, but it hasn't happened yet. Now, I'm not going to knock Hader down because I still think he gets six or seven wins. I still think he gets between five and ten saves. But you're right. If they don't sign Kimbrell, this guy could get uh, 62 saves. I mean, he, he's that good an arm. The question, though, is without Jeffries and without Nabel, uh, the bullpen is weaker. It is, and it'll be interesting to see what they do because they named their starting rotation, and uh, I think they made the wise call with no Chase Anderson in it. Uh, I took Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta in the reserve round of the NFBC auction on Sunday. Do you like Woodruff? It, do you like Woodruff? Yes, yeah, I, I do. do too. Yeah, me too. I think I think the Brewers. You know, a lot of people will say, "Oh, the Brewers don't have a good starting rotation." I disagree. I think they really have a chance to be pretty good. Uh, I know they don't have any standout aces. Uh, Shasin is going to start opening day, and he was good last year, especially with that slider. But I like the upside of Peralta, Burns, Woodruff. Uh, Zach Davies I don't love, but he's their fifth starter. Uh, but, you know, Jimmy Nelson now is still dealing with some elbows. He's injured, yeah. So, he's you know, I, it was funny because I was sitting there in a great fantasy baseball invitation. I'm like, do I take Jimmy Nelson? And, like, there was just something in me that said, nah, I can't risk it, man. He's just not healthy yet. And this was – you know, late February when you could have more optimism thinking, all right, he'll come back, but it's definitely not a great sign for him. Uh, so I would, th right now, the way it shapes up, Hater's the closer, but I would think maybe this pushes them to sign Kimbrell. Now it's interesting. They have a couple of good minor league players. Um, Keston Hewer is really good. Corey Ray is pretty good. Um, I don't know though. If the Brewers wanted to go for it, who would they trade? 
I look at this team, I, their starting lineup, they're not going to get rid of any of these guys. And I don't think you can get rid of Hura and Ray because they're kind of your future. So what do you, how do you make this team better if you don't sign a Kimbrel? Uh, I think probably starting pitching. You know, again, I do like the staff now, but easily two or three of these guys, maybe they can't get the job done. So I think they're going to go into the year with what they have, see how it works. There are some intriguing arms there. And if it doesn't work, then it looks like they'll probably have to go out and get a starter. You know who's actually uh, in their bullpen is, and this I don't. This is a real random name, Matt Albers. Do you remember how good Matt Albers was two years ago? And then last year he got killed. Yeah, and that's the thing with bullpen arms. You know, from year to year, you just don't know. We've seen every single year guys who suck for two, three years, and then all of a sudden they have this good year. I mean. You could kind of point to Blake Trinan in a way. He was not good with the Nationals. They gave him a shot, and he just had trouble with command and issuing a lot of walks. But the reason why I was on Trinan last year is I saw him pitch in the second half when he went over to Oakland. I'm like, man, this guy looks good. This stuff is nasty. And sometimes we've seen it. You just need a change of scenery. you got to go to a new environment. Maybe the pitching coach or the team finds a flaw in your mechanics, your timing. And they, that one alteration is all it could be to maybe pick up some velocity, pick up confidence, and, and show improved command. And uh, I think we saw it with Trinan. So I'm never surprised with bullpen arms. There are always a few guys every year that you look and you're like, wait a second, this guy had a four ERA, a five ERA the last two years, and now all of a sudden he's got a two ERA? What happened? So, you know, Albers is 36 years old. He's a little bit older. Um, it was terrible last year, but yeah, we did see. I think he even got some saves for the Nationals. He did. He was yeah, he was pretty good. So, all right, here's another name that this guy has never been on my radar, and he's uh, got a knee issue. Adam Rich Hill not going to start. Going to be out for a few weeks. I'm abandoning ship on Rich Hill. I can't imagine me having him on any money teams. Yeah, the thing with Hill is, and I've said this about all the Dodger pitchers. They're all going to have value this year. They're all going to pitch about 130 to 150 innings. Even though Rich Hill has been excellent when he's on the mound, I have not taken him. I've taken Maeda. I've taken Ryu. I've taken Striplin, Urias, who I took the other night. I have not taken Kershaw. I will take Bueller. It just hasn't happened yet because of the price. But Wait, Rich can, let me, can I stop you for a second? Walker Bueller, you're at auction. You're in a mixed league auction. Give me the high value for him. If you what want. would you pay? If you want him, you're going to have to spend, I would say, between 26 and 29. Are you comfortable with that, or is that high for you? Yeah, it's high for me. Again, I do like him, but and he's one of those pitchers that even if you get 160 innings out of him, he can produce. But it's 29 I, seems high for me. I know. I prefer, if I'm going to spend that much, I prefer to get a guy who I think has a good shot to get 200 innings, and I don't think Bueller does. I want to pay like 22, but I don't think I get him at 22. I doubt it. Even with the spring and him not being ready to start the year, I don't think he goes down that low. All right. I agree with you. Because I, I, I mean, he's available in a couple of leagues that I'm playing. I'm like, I love this guy, but I, I just, I know he's going to go at like 28, 29 bucks. And I know I can't say that. Yeah. He's definitely going to go at that price. Yeah. Well, are there guys out there like, like a Bueller? that you look at, well, what about Ross Stripling? Is he worth five, six bucks now? Absolutely, man. I love Stripling uh, a lot, and he's going to begin the year in the rotation. He was tremendous last year. And the thing with him, too, he's 29 years old. The Dodgers don't have to worry about limiting his innings. They're going to worry about Urias, obviously. They're going to worry about Bueller. No need to worry about Stripling push him. In that uh, auction league I did last week in New York, the Thursday night league, I got Stripling at $4. 
I got Stripling at four, Maeda at four. I mean, I, I love those buys. Now, again, every auction is different, and in some leagues they'll go for more. Uh, but it was obviously – those guys actually sat there for quite a bit, and I had them on my target list. I was like, I got to get at least one of these guys, and I was fortunate to get both. But, uh, yeah, again, the Dodgers pitchers have a lot of value this year. You got to understand the game has changed. You know, everyone's like, oh, he's only going to throw 140, 150 innings. Just There's a lot of guys like that, and you're just going to have to piece it together. And maybe there'll be some weeks where it's frustrating where you don't know who's going to start on a given week. Hopefully we get some clarity because that league is a weekly league. It was a daily league last year. They turned it into a weekly. But I know at least to start the year, uh, Ryu's going to start game one, and I know my eight-inch tripling will be in the rotation to start the year. So I'll just put them in and then go and see what happens. So a couple of big injuries. I know one injury really hurt me badly, and one is to a guy I like. Matt Olson gets hit uh, in the hand. Um, it looks like he could be out for some length of time there. And Jesus Luzardo, a dude who I was counting on in multiple leagues, Adam, looks like he's going to be out for at least a couple of months with shoulder inflammation. Yeah, the Olsen thing is not good. And the problem is we're not going to get a report here probably for a couple days because they said they're going to wait till they come back to Oakland and uh, further examination. But it wasn't good because he hurt his hand fouling off a pitch and then he couldn't grip the bat. And that usually means it's probably a hamate bone. And if that is the case, you know, you could be looking at a six to eight week absence. And then when he returns, the power, the power could be sad. So, I yeah, I have Matt Olson. It's in Tout Wars. I paid 14 bucks for him in the NFPC auction. I'm like, great. This is the last thing I need. I'm hoping that it's not serious. And it was just a small injury and then he's fine. But, you know, you have to kind of expect a potential absence for him. And Lazardo's a guy I also took in the great fantasy baseball invitational, like, Pretty early. I was pretty aggressive on him. And I think he's a guy right now that is going to be difficult to draft uh, because, I, look, here's the thing. What, it, but, if, but if you had a DL spot in your league, yeah, you, got, you, you could do, do that. Yeah, you do it. If you don't, you know, the bench spots, even in the NFBC where you have seven reserve spots, those spots are valuable, you know, know. and you're going to get injuries. You know, is he a guy that you can hold on to? I don't know. Is See, this, I have him in tout, and I can I can. Well, that's on fine. My, yeah, you can put right. him on the DL. The unlimited right. DL spots right. helps, obviously. So in that case, it's not a huge deal. But I think we knew that the innings expectations for him this year were going to be 120, 130. The problem is, you know, is this something that lingers? And is it, you know, they're saying shut down from throwing four to six weeks. This is a guy we might not see to June 1st. So I, I know. So and then you've got to assume maybe 110 innings. Is that what I'm, is that the max 120? Probably, yeah. And also too, where where are the A's at that point? Because I thought he was the best starting pitcher for the A's. And I oh, think they by far. Him. And I by think they far. needed him. Right. I know they needed him, but I'm going to say I, I think June 1st seems fair. But I mean, even if I want to be conservative, you said the All Star break. So what are you looking at? 80 to 100 innings. Yeah, and they could be really good innings if he's healthy. The problem is trying to hold on to a guy for three months who has not pitched in the big leagues yet. It's, it's kind of difficult. So I definitely have to push him down my draft board. But it will be pushed down everyone's draft board, so maybe he becomes a discount. And uh, knowing the league rules is important, too. In a weekly league, it's probably easier to stash him. Obviously, if you have unlimited DL spots or even three or four DL spots, easier to stash him. But if your benches are thin, it's going to be difficult to hold him. I agree with you about the NFBC. When you only have seven, including DL spots, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Yeah. You can't hold. You can't hold them. 
And look, we are all going to be hit with injuries. We already had a ton of, I think we've had a lot of injuries over the last week or two. And then some guys that we're not sure about their health. Matt Carpenter still dealing with a back injury. He's been out of the lineup. Joey Gallo dealing with a groin injury. He's been out of the lineup. So there's still a lot of guys that we're just not even sure if they're going to be ready for opening day. Yeah, I, I you know, do you think spring training's too long? Uh, not not really, because a lot of these guys are not playing full games. So I, I think it does take some time to get into shape. And if you wanted to cut down to three weeks, I could see it. But uh, you know, they do report what right around Valentine's Day. So they got about a month and a half. So the first couple weeks, they're just, just throwing and hitting anyway. So I don't know if it's that. I just think injuries are going to happen. They're inevitable. So I'm trying to think for the A's. Does Kanha will play against a lefty? Does Pinder play against a righty, or do you move Profar to first and let Barreto play second? I think Pinder is going to get a lot of opportunity. He's a guy that I don't think people are talking about enough, and I really like him. I think if this guy got 500 at bats, he hits 30 home runs. We've already already seen him hitting fifth in the lineup against left-handers. I would like to see him put in there against right-handers. I'm not sure if they'll do it. Uh, I had a decision to make the other night where I was looking. It was late in the draft. I think it was around 29 of a 15-team league, and it was between Pinder and Brandon Lau of the Rays, and I went with Lau, and then, of course, an hour later, they signed him to the extension. Uh, <laughs> but I think both those guys are intriguing late-round reserve picks in 15-team leagues. What do You, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm, it's funny you mentioned Lau. They've got him. They've got Joey Wendell. They've got Daniel Robertson. Do you think that there's enough playing time for all those guys? Because the Rays love to platoon these guys. They love to share. I don't know if any one of these guys eats at them. Uh, probably not. They do go with the platoons quite a bit. But, you know, I'll take a shot late on a guy like Lau. And, again, this was before they signed him to that contract. Uh, I just like some of the uh, underlying metrics that I saw. And I said, all right, I'll take a shot here. Because I think they mentioned he was going to start to begin the season. So I took a shot. And... If it doesn't work out or he struggles or platoons too much, I'll just cut him. But, you know, I'm looking for some upside in the last couple of rounds, and I thought it was there was potential there with Lau with the Rays, getting the opportunity to get some at-bats. No, no, I, that's absolutely true. And, that, you know, I like when they sign these guys to a big contract because now they're invested in them, so I think that always helps. Or it could go the way of Scott Kingery. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to take a little break. Back with more fantasy baseball when we return right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, 
I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. The morning after. This is going to be a blue blood tournament. I think yes. that'll be the theme. The guys in Indianapolis, the low-life sleazeballs at the NCAA, and uh, the fat cats down the street at CBS and uh, Viacom, and they're going to be loving it because it's going to be Kentucky versus North Carolina, right, in the Sweet yep. 16. It's going to be Duke versus Michigan State, Michigan versus Texas Tech. It's going to be a blue blood tournament. There's no Cinderella's. It's not happening. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, guys. Well, you're fixated on your college basketball brackets. NFL teams are focusing on the 2019 NFL Draft. And for serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. I will be very interested in the NFL, Adam. But it has to. I have to wait now for the uh, for the for the draft. Yeah, I think obviously we've had a run of free agency, so you know it's just a lot going on right now. We obviously have the NCAA college basketball tournament for the next couple weeks and weekends. Obviously, still more fantasy baseball drafts. Uh, I got my home league auction on Sunday. I'll be doing another draft next week. So still fantasy baseball drafts to be done. Baseball opens for most teams now a week. Uh, on Thursday, I was going to say a week from the, yesterday, but just this Thursday coming up. So, you know, it's baseball time, college basketball, and then, of course, NFL draft will take over towards the end of April. So, yeah, I mean, look, NFL is all year round, and I understand there's a lot of people who only play fantasy football. So they're just into it every single day. Not that we're not, but we do other sports. So there's only so much time that it can consume every single day it's just so for now spots, there's only so much spots in my brain Adam. exactly man <laughs> you know so yeah i mean we're always interested in the nfl we're following it but you know for me it's uh prime time baseball right now so mo- just a couple of football notes most believe the jets will draft josh allen i like that he's pretty good from Kentucky. yeah i think that's what i've been seeing too in the on the, the brief mocks that i've been seeing that he's going to go to the Jets. so uh, that that makes sense for them and then the Athletics' Jay Glazer reports there were some rumblings about Tyree Kill's name coming up in trade conversations. What? what? Well, because of the whole off-the-field stuff. That's why. Well, I mean... I mean, how are the, how are the Chiefs going to justify just cutting Kareem Hunt? And then if this Tyree Kills comes up true about him, allegedly... What did he do? He, hit, he, he broke his son's arm? Yeah. Allegedly. Again, we don't know if it's true or not. So you could only, I mean, that's really bad. It really is, man. I mean, I, I don't know. This is, uh, again, nothing has been reported. No charges, I don't think, were filed yet, but it's been uh, dropped out there. Why does it seem like football players have the most problems with these with these batteries and not, not baseball or basketball? Could it be 
because it's such a violent sport and they're tamed to be like that and maybe they just can't turn it off off the field i don't know i mean i because am i right when i say that you never read about a basketball player beating his kids or beating his wife or something like that baseball mm. rarely baseball a little bit you baseball you do a little bit yeah addison russell yeah baseball you do see i think there's more drinking in baseball like those guys go after games and get hammered yeah, I mean they're on the they're yeah they're on the road all the time and traveling six months straight. You know, did you ever read the Bronx Zoo? It did not. Oh, dude, you got to go read like the old stories about the like the seventies and the eighties. Yeah, look at the eighty six Mets, man. Oh, they were all drunks and drugged. They were crazy. Yeah, uh, even the Cowboys from the nineties read their stuff too, so they were crazy. It's it's I think it's all sports. It's just what gets publicized, and obviously now in the age of social media, more I'm actually surprised more stuff doesn't come out. Uh, I think it's pretty impressive that we don't hear about more. You know, this is totally offside. I tape old movies for for my for Ryan, right? And we'll watch them together. And did you ever see an old movie called Urban Cowboy? No, With John Travolta and Deborah Winger did not. So it's a really classic movie. And I don't want to go through the whole premise of it, but there's something in the movie where my son goes, if this happened today, she would just text him. And they didn't have texting back then. So the whole movie, like if you watch the movie now in a 12-year-old's eyes, be like, what? we wouldn't even have this movie. They'd have to rewrite it. Right, yeah. Right? It's crazy how technology and the different generation gap, and they watch something older, and it's like, oh, you could have done this. No, that didn't exist then. What? Are you serious? <laughs> exactly. Well, I had a beeper. <laughs> what? What the hell is that? <laughs> right, who had a beeper? But, I mean, I feel it's the same way now. It's like social media rules. These guys go anywhere. People are on them. They know what they're doing. They're following them. Back in the day, these guys could go to Kansas City, and they could drink wherever, sleep with whomever, and nobody would know about it. Much more difficult to do nowadays, man. Yeah, you better watch out, Ronis. Your girlfriend's gonna fi- gonna catch you. Catch me doing what? I'm clean, I'm just man. throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at some of these teams here as we head into the final days and the final weeks before drafts because it's got to be this week and next week, right? Are there any situations that you're looking at? Um, you know, let's let's go through some teams here. If I'm looking at Arizona, are you looking at anything here? A player you're worried about? You know, is uh, Marte playing in center field? Carson Kelly at catcher? Like, is there anything you're thinking about right before draft time? Uh, just concerned a little bit about the yeah, bats that Wilmer Flores sees because he was a player I liked very late in drafts because I thought he was going to have the opportunity to play every day at second base and Flores. I've seen him a lot. He's got a good bat. He actually hit righties pretty well last year, and he just never really got that opportunity with the Mets to play consistently. And I think he gets it this year, I thought. But now with Adam Jones in the mix, you know, that could move Cattell Marte to play a little second base and maybe take some of the bats away from him. So uh, that's my biggest concern at this point uh, for Flores, who is a guy that I do like. I actually don't have enough of him. I think Steven Sousa bounces back. He's a guy that burned me last year in the NFBC auction, but he's healthy now, and I think he's a guy that's got some pop and some speed. Yeah, I do like him a lot. I've been taking him as like my last pick in most drafts. All right, keeping going down with the Braves. Fulton Nevich. I worry about that pitching staff, Adam. There's a lot of young kids there. Are you ready, are you ready to invest in Tukey Toussaint or Kyle Wright? Will you throw a dollar to on any of these guys at the end of the draft? Maybe Tucson. Kyle Wright got hammered yesterday, so he's still vying for a spot in the rotation. Uh, I don't like Sean Newcomb. He has major walk issues. 
Uh, I know Julio Toronto's had a nice spring, but I'm not buying in him. And I've been saying it all preseason. Like, I was just stunned at how many people like the Braves as one of the top teams in the NL East. I don't see it. I see them as the fourth best team right now. I think the Nationals, Phillies, and Mets are all better than the Braves. I like their future, but they just have way too many question marks on the pitching staff right now with Fulton A, which we don't know when he's going to be ready. Soroka, we don't know when he's going to be ready. A.J. Minter, apparently this car accident that he had early in the spring where the seatbelt, uh, I get pushed pressure on his shoulder, has been the problem. Vizcaino's not had a good spring. You know, I do like the lineup. We all love Acuna and Freeman. Uh, I'm st- I don't know. I just I have not been able to draft Donaldson, and he could easily prove me wrong because if he's healthy, he, we saw what he did two years ago. I just haven't been able to draft him, so uh, I want to see if he can stay healthy. But, yeah, I think the Braves have a lot of questions on the pitching staff, so I really – uh, the only guy that I have right now is Kevin Gossman. I don't even feel great about that. Yeah, I don't either. I think I'm just staying away from the Braves pitching staff. I, I, I like Toussaint a little bit. Maybe I'll go a dollar or two, but uh, not too much. Do you think there's a guy I want to talk about him? Was it uh, Ian, Ian Anderson? Any chance he comes up? Uh, I don't think so. Not early on. Okay, because he's got a real good arm. All right, let's get to Baltimore. Am I looking at it? Is there value in a Cedric Mullins? Is there value in an Austin Hayes? I know he was sent down. Is there value in any of these guys here? Will you will you take any a flyer on any Oriole late in your draft? Oh, definitely. I wanted Cedric Mullins the other night. I can't believe it, man. He was taking like uh, five picks before me. I was all set up. I needed some stolen bases late. I already had good power, and I was set to take Mullins, and he went. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I think he's going to hit leadoff. They're going to be very aggressive. There's no need for them to give these guys the red light. So I think Mullins can steal some bags. So I'll definitely like him late in drafts. I was all set to take Austin Hayes, but he's going to begin the year in the minor leagues. I still think that's a guy that we'll be talking about as a waiver wire pickup in mixed leagues. Obviously, in AL only because you're going to have to draft him. He had a really good spring. He was hitting for power, but they sent him down. I think you'll see him up, though, this year. And I think he's an intriguing name. Uh, to keep on your waiver wire list. All right, let's get to uh, the uh, Boston Red Sox. Matt Barnes, who I saw pitch two weeks ago, was a train wreck, but, man, it's gotten better and better and better. He looks like he might be the closer right now, Adam. Yeah, the way it's shaping up, uh, he's been pitching well his last couple outings. Ryan Brazier got a late start to the spring, so uh, I still think this could be a situation where they trade for someone at some point during the season, but they'll go in and it looks like Barnes is the guy to have now. And he's still in most drafts relatively cheap. Yeah, I think so too. All right, let's get to the Chicago Cubs. I think a sneaky play. I think Pedro Strupp ends up closing opening day, Adam. I think people are just going to count him off the list, remembering that he was injured. Uh, yeah, we'll see if he's ready. I think the other guy that could, uh, maybe open the year as the closer is C.J. Edwards. But I think this could be a case of Madden just playing the matchups and going with different guys until Morrow is ready. Uh, I do like Strope a lot, and he showed last year that he could handle it. Just not sure of his health. You know, C-Sheck has some closing experience, Brad Brock. So this could be a case of him just going with a few different guys. I think it would have been Strope if he was healthy, but not sure if he's going to be ready. All right, Cincinnati Reds, Adam. I think Joey Votto is really a bothersome name to me. In the old days, Votto 25, 26, 27, I'd pay that gladly. This year, i got to be honest with you. I think if somebody said 15, I don't know if I'd say 16. I know I wouldn't hit 20. I'll tell you that right now. 
Yeah, obviously he's a big boost in OBP leagues. I think he could still hit. I think the question is, you know, does the power come back? And he has spoken about uh, there were some things with his mechanics that he noticed that was a problem and that he'll fix it. So, you know, it's a great ballpark to hit in. I really like the lineup. Uh, he's still one of the top hitters. I mean, even in the down year, he had 284. He had more walks than strikeouts. So, to me, it's just a matter of, okay, does the power come back? And you don't even need elite power from him. You really just need 20 to 25 home runs because I think the counting stats will be there with him getting on base. And I just like this lineup uh, with what they've done. And he was still hitting the ball hard last year. I mean, he had a 31.4% line drive rate. So if he is telling the truth and sees something in his mechanics that maybe forced him to not loft the ball as much and he can correct that, uh, he could be a nice bargain. And I really don't have him. I, might, I, I don't think I have him in any leagues. It just hasn't worked out where he's landed. But I'm not averse to taking him. All right, Cleveland Indians, do you have Bieber fever? And if so, at auction, how much would you pay? Uh, he seems to go for more than what I want. I like him, but I just feel like, you know, with his spring where he's had a great strikeout to walk ratio and so would many you, people. Would you pay 10 bucks for him? Yeah, 10 bucks. Yeah, he's not going for 10, though. Would you pay 15? I don't think so. Yeah, you'd pay 12, right? And then you'd be not, not more than that. Yeah, 12, 13, depending on where I am and what I need at that point. But it just feels like everyone is so excited about this guy. He's been pushed up in, in snake drafts as well. So uh, I would like to get a share, and I think I do have him on one or two teams, but I'm not willing to overpay for him. Right, I agree with that. All right, let's look at the Colorado Rockies. I'm trying to think before drafts going in. So, oh, somebody asked me this. Who's the second baseman? Is it McMahon? Is it Hampson? What do you think happens there? I really don't know, man, because both guys have been crushing the spring. McMahon's been one of the best hitters in the spring. Hampson is the better defender. Hampson is obviously the guy people want in fantasy because of his stolen bases. I think he has seven, and he's been the guy that's been drafted ahead of time. But with the way both guys have hit, this could be a situation where they open the year in a platoon uh, with McMahon being the lefty and Hampson being the righty. Maybe something happens in the outfield uh it seems like everyone wants desmond out but desmond's had a good spring blackman's obviously a fixture out there doll's got to start as long as he stays healthy it's a situation where uh, i'm not sure what they're going to do hampson's been the guy that's going way higher mcmahon has been a reserve round pick i expect him to move up but i'm really not sure what they're going to do and i think it could be a platoon to open the year all right, so my friend and I are in this crazy league, which I don't even know why I joined it. I told you it's a league where I hate the rules. If a guy's in the minor leagues, you can't bet on him on draft day. You have to wait until it comes up. Eloy Jimenez is in a minor league camp as of today when he could end up in the, in the majors you know, next week. But if he waits until next week, you have to go bet on him in free agency. I like this kid Jimenez, Adam, but, man, I just don't know. I mean, can you count on him from day one, do you think? Yes, uh, I think it's pretty clear he's ready for the majors. I'm actually surprised that they're not putting him back in Major League Camp because obviously service time was the big issue. He's 22 years old, and he clearly has shown that he can hit. You know, Vlad gets all the hype, but Jimenez is right there. I mean, last year at AAA, he batted 355, 12 homers, 33 RBIs, a 597 slug. He didn't strike out that much. He's clearly ready for the big league, so... I'm a little surprised this is happening. Now, that's unfortunate. There are, I know leagues that are like that where you can't bid on anyone in the minor leagues, and uh, especially if it's an AL only league. Man, that's a disaster because someone's going to 
probably someone's going to spend their entire fab on him, especially if there's $0 bids. Someone's going to have to spend their whole fab on him. I know. All right, let's do one more team here. Christian Stewart, Sean Childs talked about him. Do you think he's sneaky for the Tigers? I do, because uh, he's going to get the opportunity to play every day uh, at this point. He's probably going to hit fifth, sixth in that lineup. So, yeah, I do think – I think this Tigers top of the lineup is better than people think. And I said it last year. Miguel Cabrera has had a great spring. And Cabrera is a guy that I have not drafted yet. I feel like I need to get him on one of my teams. I have no doubt that Cabrera will hit. My biggest question is durability. How many games is he going to play? And how much power will he supply? That's the one thing that I'm worried about. But How much he, would you spend on him at auction? Uh, not a lot, but I'm interested. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to try and get him. In, uh, would you hit 10? Would you hit 10? In a mixed league? Yeah. Uh, I might. I might. Interesting. Because yeah. I think the average is – to me, it, it's, he's a Hall of Fame player. He's one of the best hitters of our generation. It's not about productivity. It's about health. I also don't think there's elite power there anymore either. So you're going to hope for 20 home runs. But I think he can easily hit 300 still. And I, I like the top of this lineup. You know, Harrison, Castellanos, Miggy, Heimer, Candelario is a guy I had a lot last year. Yeah, a little they, bit they of disappointment, but hit. he's had a good, good spring. Good good yeah. I like good room. Uh, he's, yeah. he's got a lot of flexibility. I think it was... I think I think it was Rudy Gamble who took him in town, and I was pissed. Uh, I yeah, wanted he, him. He plays. He qualifies at first and second. So who's coming up in hour number two, Adam? Uh, I'll be joined by Frank Stample, who you hear here on FNTSY. Actually, Frank and I are in three different baseball leagues together. So we're going to talk about our GST draft from Tuesday night. Uh, I had picked three. He had picked four. So we're going to talk about that, see where we sniped each other. All right, and also, guys, remember, there are orphans for sale for the Dynasty Football World Championship. They need new homes, so maybe you guys can do it. So take home ten grand and become the annual Dynasty King. Learn more at DynastyKing.com. You like Dynasty Football, don't you, Ronas? Yeah, I do. I'm not in many leagues, but I definitely do like it and, uh, you know, like keeper leagues as well. So, yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, especially if you play only football, you should be in a Dynasty League. So you have something to follow you around because if you're in a redraft league only you kind of yeah you're preparing but you know you want to be making trades and uh you know strategizing for the upcoming season so if you only play fantasy football you should be in a dynasty league absolutely i couldn't agree with you more any good plans this weekend adam uh watch the tournament and draft on sunday there you go. That sounds like a good one. I think watching the tournament sounds like a good time for everybody. And by the way, the uh, the Cal- California Irvine tied with K-State, Ronas. Let's go. Let's go, Irvine. <laughs> uh, guys, this is Dr. Rose saying be well. Take care. Stay tuned for our number two with Adam back after this.